Hey, uh, my dearest fellow sexy human animals, Tony Flo Real here, and welcome to the next edition of Hangry and Horny Podcast. I just came back from an awesome trip in Ireland and the Netherlands. I was in Europe for the last three months. I'm back in Cali and uh, just really looking forward to sharing this next episode of Hangry and Horny. Before I do that, I'd like to give a shout out to my sponsor of the show, DroppinFBomb.com. Check them out. They make delicious macadamia-based nut butters. I love them. Uh, Ross and Kara, my dear friends, started this company just over three years ago out of their kitchen, out of the need to just get more good, healthy fats into their diet. They like to follow the ketogenic diet. And, uh, you know, they noticed that when they travel, they eat out at restaurants, there wasn't any quality fats that they could eat. So they decided to make their own fats using macadamias. And by making it in their kitchen, they put it into an amazing, easy to uh, eat from a package. Uh, you just tear it off the top and you just drop it down the pipe. So go to their website. Uh, they have different flavors like macadamia with sea salt. They have a salted chocolate version. It's one of my favorites. Uh, still low sugar, but just sweet enough to just give you that nice little sweet tooth kick. And they also have a pecan version and a coconut version. So go to dropanfbomb.com. Uh, use the discount code FLOWREAL, F-L-O-W, R-E-A-L, and that'll get you 20% off of your first order. They also have olive oil. They have uh, MCT oil for people that want a fat coffee and uh, other delicious oils. They have uh, merchandise like t-shirts and whatnot. So go to dropanfbomb.com or visit one of your local uh, shops like Vitamin Shop. They also sell at GNC. Uh, Amazon, uh, I believe Whole Foods and REI. So they're just spreading quickly across the world and uh, get yourself some good quality fats into your diet. Smart is, excuse me, fat is smart fuel. This year, it's uh, wrapping out uh, 2018. So, you know, it's just been an incredible, incredible year of learnings, winnings, memories, and, uh, you know, one of the things that I love to do is share a lot of the things that I've learned over the years. And one of the things that I've also uh, co-produced and created was the Magic Flow Bus. So what we do is we essentially teach people how to optimize and live an incredible life, accomplishing your visions, your dreams, making that into a reality, actually growing corn. So go to magicflowbus.com. We're having an event in February on the 16th and 17th, uh, 2019. And it's actually our first family event. So we're essentially going to, you know, teach parents and children, their kids, uh, how to communicate with each other because this is one of the uh, lost skills that are happening through the the overuse of social media and the internet and people are forgetting how to interact in person, how to communicate 
with each other without the use of digital crack, digital candy, uh, the dopamine response. So check out magicflowbus.com. We're having that family event in Santa Cruz, California. And we're going to teach people the things that we wish we learned in school that was never taught to us. And uh, there's going to be amazing guests there. Usually we have, you know, professional athletes, Olympic athletes. Uh, We have doctors, uh, CEOs. We have all kinds of high-performing people that have a great heart, that are down to earth, and are willing to teach us some of the things that they've done to become successful in their lives. So again, check out magicflowbus.com and sign up. My next guest is another dear friend of mine. I've been so blessed with amazing people in my life. And uh, Pat Divoli uh, hails from Ireland. He has an incredible story. Uh, You know, former mixed martial artist. He, you know, learned in the States and then moved back to Ireland, became a personal trainer and actually started uh, beach workouts in his hometown of Galway. And, you know, he started with just three people the first day and, you know, word spread like wildfire. And by the third month, he had over 100 clients on the beach. He then eventually created a uh, online platform, which he had like thousands of clients and essentially started to face his fear of public speaking, started speaking at, I think he did like a hundred events in one year and overcame his fear, developed his speaking skills. And now he's a professional speaker, a high performance coach, and an author who just wrote the book, Upgrade Your Life. So Pat Dibley, he's one of those guys that actually applies what he teaches, he's not one of those motivational, inspirational speakers that just give out, you know, word candy, things that sound great, but really, you know, you just get high off the information. He is a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's climbed some of the tallest peaks on the planet. He immerses himself in ice and does incredible other methods in which he teaches people how to make and take baby steps towards, you know, actualizing your potential. So without further ado, please give it up to my dear friend, Pat Divoli. Enjoy, everybody. Mwah. Pat Dibbley, what's up, my brother? Welcome to Hangry and Horny. Straight in. Straight, straight in. in no man. intro. Where's yeah, the no three? No foreplay, two, man. We just, one. We're live. Just stick it in. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, brother. We're uh, in Galway, Ireland. We're at my gaff. We're at my home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. Thank you for uh, hosting us. Of again. course. Always good to have you. Yeah. I mean, uh, we were here what, about a month ago or six weeks or something. Had a podcast with you. Yeah. 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 We were sitting in these same couches chatting. Uh, chatting. Yeah, yeah. Chatting about what the year 
and we're talking about like everything in review for 2018 yeah yeah lessons learned and and what we're going to pull into the next year so it's probably early for that podcast but hey good to be thinking all the time yeah i think it's good because you know most people wait till like january 1st to start making changes yeah and uh, i think it's cool to sort of have yourself like just rolling right into the year with any of the fitness stuff that you know we want to accomplish for our own bodies and yeah, yeah. yeah. i was telling you i've signed up to a 12-week plan at the worst possible time so <laughs> all my buddies are going out having drinks and having food and pat are you coming for food i'm like no i gotta fit my macros for, <laughs> for, for the first time in my life so uh yeah i'm kicking into the fitness goals before the new year yeah, you like came out blasting when we uh, entered your house. Like, you're, I was just like, "Holy shit, man!" Like, you literally look like you like lost some uh, some fat. You're like glowing. Cheers. Yeah, man. It was like uh, Christmas, like coming off of you, you know, like Christmas <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. lights. Yeah. Somewhat four weeks into a twelve week plan, and it's just yeah, it was just a personal goal, and it's just I was saying to you last night, it's something that just feels good at the moment. It's not forced. It's not requiring motivation i just signed up with a trainer and i'm sort of enjoying the process so i've never had a coach before in that capacity and i've coached people for 12 years in fitness so it's nice even to step back into your client's shoes and recognize i suppose the journey and even like i know all the stuff because i've studied nutrition since i was a kid but I'll text my coach and say, yeah, can I have a glass of wine? And I know he's going to say, probably better if you don't, but it's not a big deal if you do. <laughs> but I'm just waiting for the him to give me the thumbs up and I just go with it. So it's, it's just nice having that accountability, you know, and support. So it's been good. Yeah. So what do you think that is? Because people generally, uh, you know, they, they kind of know what they need to do. Um, you work with people, you help them like accomplish like, you know, body goals and so for yourself you know you're talking about like motivation inspiration you know but there's a point where you just decided you you made a choice you didn't need like some sort of other like outside thing to like make you like start a program and like continue with it and be consistent yeah um it's just that gap between knowing and doing isn't it and when you're so close to what you do Sometimes you just immerse yourself with too much knowledge and too much information and you're not actually, well, I guess what wisdom is actually applying what you know or knowledge is actually applying what you know, whereas more information is the easy bit. So get every book on the bookshelf, loads of books upstairs about nutrition. And so I can't put a simple nutrition plan in place because I'm thinking of a hundred, you know, a hundred things that, that are going to get in the way or whatever it is. So just having the coach, he could tell me do anything and I'm like, okay, he's the boss for the 12 weeks and it's just... It's almost like that Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs thing where they would wear the same clothes every day because it was one less thing for them to think about and they could focus on big decisions. For me, it's like I don't have to think about training or nutrition. I just have to do it now. And that allows me the creative space to do other things. So it's been good. What was like that moment for you when you decided how was that like, you know? I think it was just, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of talking this year, speeches, seminars, keynotes, all that kind of stuff around the country, a lot of travel, a lot of standing on stages. And there was too many times where I hadn't, it was more the nutrition side of things. I wasn't on top of my nutrition and I'd feel a bit anxious or overwhelmed going into a talk and maybe rely on caffeine too much or um, not eat the day of a talk. And I burned the candle at two 
at both sides too many times. So there was one talk and I just said, I want to be feeling fresh and stress-free walking onto a stage. And so that was one of the, the kind of means of doing it was look after sleep, energy, everything else. So it was just that. I think I was just saying, look, I'm doing good at this stuff, considering I'm not looking after myself as best I could. What could I do if I started looking after myself? And it was just kind of a gift to myself almost. It was like, why are you putting this pressure on yourself by not looking after the basics? And that was kind of it, I think, yeah. And so, like, leading up to it, like, how long were you processing this idea of, like, going on a, you know, nutritional program? And then at what point did you decide you're going to get a coach to help you? Well, it was funny. I, so I, I ran a, a one-day workshop for my just for clients maybe a couple of months ago and a well-known trainer in Dublin called Larry Doyle attended and he came up to me after and he said hey would you deliver this for my private coaching clients and so I went and I did it for 50 of his clients and I just watched the way they were interacting with him and just based on conversations with him he had quite a a holistic approach Um, and I just thought this is the kind of guy that would work well for me as a coach he's he's uh He's, again, he's holistic. He's looking at all the different areas. He takes a real interest. He's a student of the game. He's always learning. Even the fact he brought me in um, for his clients, you know, most people would just re-deliver the information they had heard at the seminar. So I thought this guy's really ticking the boxes and it was pretty quick. I just decided, hey, I'm going to sign up with him. And I just, I, I guess there's this idea of motivational richness. So most people think I'm going to go on a training plan because it's going to give me a six pack. I would always be asking people, like, what's all the areas it's going to help you with? It's almost like the iceberg and under the sea, you've got like the big part. So for me, that was like the motivation part was if I improve my health, it's going to improve my confidence. It's going to improve my jujitsu. It's going to improve my energy levels at at conferences. It's going to make me sleep better. It's going to give me. And I looked at all the different ways it was going to help me. And then it was like, it's not about a six pack or anything like that. It never was for me. It's more about how will this impact my life? And so, yeah, just everything kind of fell into place. So far, so far. Then you guys came with chocolate last night. Oh, yeah, right, (laughs) right. So, like, obviously you uh, make allowances. So how are you able to, you know, measure the the food that you eat? You're talking about, like, macros. And so what exactly is that so people would understand? Yeah, so it's been interesting because, again, I've been involved in fitness since I was 17. Um, I did a master's in nutrition back in the day. And I always promoted paleo because... Um, paleo just made sense to me for like a wide spectrum of clients you know most people cut out gluten and dairy for a few weeks see how you feel reintroduce them if you're good you're good if you don't feel good maybe leave it out and so paleo always made sense and I always felt the macros thing was not practical it wasn't uh, something that you could do on the go you shouldn't have to log everything you're doing that was kind of my approach for a long time and then I started working with Larry recently and I love the fact I was wrong because obviously it's good to be wrong because you're learning if you were right about everything, what fun would life be? Um, And so it serves its purpose for the 12 weeks I've got, you know, the MyFitnessPal app, everything I eat gets scanned and it takes it off my totals for the day. So you got your fats, your carbs and your proteins. You've got a number you want to hit with each of those things based on whether you're training that day or you're not training. And again, if I have some chocolate last night, I'll scan that in. It deducts it from my totals from the day and it'll tell me you've got this much left and you just make it fit. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the most interesting thing for me has been like what gets measured, gets managed kind of thing. You can't lie to yourself um, when you see numbers on paper. 
whether it's the numbers of hours you slept or your rating of your energy levels throughout the day or what you did to relax, the more you write down, the more you kind of get honest about what's working and what's not working. Right. Four weeks ago, I would have told you I don't eat a lot because I didn't eat that frequently. But when I was eating, I was getting a lot of calories in and probably not from the right places. Right, right. You're just dropping it down in one meal, basically. Yeah. And I would tell people it's almost like this idea of awareness that if we're in a dark room, you don't know where you are. If I shine a torch, suddenly you can see something you didn't see. And you can choose to close your eyes and pretend it's not there, but it's reality. And this is the same with Enten. So for me, it's been an eye opener. You know, this is where you're even just to see how was I maintaining the energy levels I had a couple of weeks ago and, and doing the workload that I had and everything else. I wasn't giving myself a chance, you know, so. So what surprised you the most when you took that bird's eye view approach to like logging everything, yeah. tracking everything and then. I think it was, you know what it's like when you're on the road, when you're in airports or you're, you're, you're in the car all day. It's very easy to go for like snacks and stuff in, in the filling stations or the petrol stations, whatever it is. And it, I was just surprised by how many calories are in certain things, you know, and you've got this. You've got to be smart with if you eat whole foods and you eat good foods, you can actually eat quite a bit in the day. I'll probably eat more than I ever ate before, more carbs, more everything. Whereas if you're eating processed stuff and that, um, you're pretty quickly getting deductions and you've very little left in the day. You're not satiated. You're not feeling prolonged energy. You're just getting this quick hit. And so I guess it's teaching you subconsciously has probably shown you, you know, you eat the whole foods, you're going to be sustained for longer. And again, it's stuff I always knew. And I could have told you this since I was 16. But again, the reapplication of it is is really open my eyes a bit more right because you have like an example of like say on one side of a picture like you know 2,000 calories of processed food yeah. and then another yeah. side 2,000 calories of like you know vegetables and fruit like and a meat. full table yeah yeah it's yeah. huge yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so and the other thing that I saw recently which I mean it was just an interesting graphic was three stomachs side by side and one was like 200 calories worth of salad and the stomach is full. And the next was 200 uh, calories worth of oil. It's like a tiny little bit at the bottom of the stomach. And it was just, you know, in terms of... So with the coach, I can message him and say, hey, everything's going good. I'm on track, but I'm feeling a little bit hungry in the evenings. And he might message me back and say, you know, throw a load of vegetables into a soup. Start eating the soup in the evening. It's going to keep you fuller for longer. It's just simple things like that, you know, taking the guesswork out. And again, I know the answers before I even text them, but that's always the way. The people that come to my seminars know the answers, but it's almost like a clear sky that they fill with clouds. They like put distractions in there, they put noise, or, and when they get quiet and when they ask themselves honestly, they, they always know the answers. So it's kind of. Yeah. So what do you find like now that you've, you know, gone through your journey from like, you know, f- fitness guy on the beach to having like uh, hundreds of clients that you work with like online to eventually evolving into becoming like a speaker Mm. an author Um, what have you found was like the inflection point for human beings to create a change or a transformation in their life you know where they're almost like uh, non-recognizable from the person that they were before yeah I think um 
initially with the fitness stuff, so I used to teach my fitness classes here on the local beach and it just grew very quickly. That's kind of why I promoted paleo was because I had five clients in May when I started and I had a hundred clients by September and I wasn't in a position to write a hundred meal plans. And so it was right. What's going to work for the masses, you know, and, and paleo became the thing. But my two words that I always put across with fitness were belief and belonging. That was my goal with my stuff was to make people believe they can do things they didn't think they could, whether that's a push up or it's leaving a job, whatever it is, and make people feel a, a sense of belonging, a part of something, because I recognize commercial gyms. You join, you get a phone call, welcome, and then you don't hear from them for a year. And then you get another phone call. Hey, you owe us money and nobody knows your name. It's not a very compelling place to go where you're not being supported, you're not being, you know. And so belief and belonging were my two things from the fitness classes, then to the online courses, then to the gym, then to the books. Um, but the big thing, th those are two of the big things that help people shift is like when you stand in front of someone and you, and you show them possibility or you open their eyes to possibility, it gives them a glimmer of maybe I can do something different with my life. And then the second part is that support and accountability going forward, I think is, is big. Um, and also, I think people recognizing there's nothing wrong with them. They're not broken. They're not any different to anyone else. Um, it's almost like you have to strip back the things that you've taken on, like the stories or the limitations or the beliefs that you've taken on. You've got to get rid of that stuff because at its essence, you've got everything you need to do anything you want. And sometimes people think they've got to add more and more and more. It's like, no, you just got to get out of your own way to a certain extent. So, yeah. So that's cool. So, you know, when you have people uh, coming together as a group and, you know, they're having fun, you're obviously like, you know, a fun person. You have like an aspect of play in there. So that was also like a big part of it as well. It's been interesting. Actually, you, you talk about play. Um, there's an exercise. It's, it's a really simple thing, but I, I think it's quite cool that you, you'll write down a couple of words that represent you at your best. And the way you could do that, you could look at just your past and figure out or when do you feel your best, when are you in flow? Or you could look at people you admire and put those three words in your phone as a trigger that will go off every day at a certain time and remind you. So my three words are playful, confident and inspiring because for years I was insecure, I was shy, I was anxious, I was nervous, I didn't believe in myself, I had no self-esteem. And so playfulness is a reminder to me. That word is the most important one to me. Playfulness is don't take yourself too seriously and don't take the world too seriously. And so I could be stressed and my phone goes off and I, I look at the label on the phone and it says playful, confident and inspiring. I just ask myself, how can I bring playfulness to this? And people ask now about goals and stuff going forward because a couple of years ago I was the goal setting guy and I was like, I'm going to get 10 houses and I'm going to do all this crazy stuff. And now I'm just like, I want to be playful, confident and inspiring in my relationships, in my career, in my day to day. Um, so I think it's important to, to bring that element to everything you do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So they talk about that word being like autotelic. So you do an activity just for the act in itself. And then there is no expectation and things just kind of unfold from there. So like just ironically goals get accomplished. You yeah. move like closer to them versus being like stressed about it. And uh, so you had mentioned like triggers. So these were like your three flow triggers that will literally like shift your state in the moment. And yeah, yeah, it's got to be, I guess, a conscious effort. But it's kind of like, right, if I'm going on a corporate stage, 
I was talking to you about this. Sometimes you go into the corporate world and it's not people that have showed up to see you speak. It's people that are at work and you happen to be coming speaking. So I do my own events and people come and they've taken a day and they've paid money to be there. They're invested before they even step in the room. With the corporate work, you're brought into a room. And for a lot of people sat in the room, they're thinking, here's some young guy coming in telling us how to live, you know, and that's not what it's going to be, but that's the perception. And so I've got to bring that trigger into my own mind that I've got a lot of blank faces staring at me, maybe people with their arms crossed, people yawning, you know, and you got to let go of the expectation that they're all supposed to be enthralled by you and, and just say, right, let's bring some playfulness thing to this. Let's bring some confidence to this. And, and it just gets you out of your own head again. It's just a reminder, isn't it? Who are you when you're at your best? Because we've all got like the wounded self, which is yeah. the younger uh, inner child that's nervous and shy and insecure and doesn't want to give up um, control and, and is afraid of not being loved or not being enough, all this kind of stuff. And the only way to step out of that is to step into love. So it's like love and fear. And I will say you can't be in both at the same time. Like in every moment, you get an opportunity to love and fear. And an example of that, a couple of years ago, I started going on TV to do um, talks about nutrition and training. And I had built a brand based on belief, belonging, um, gratitude, strength, all these, these virtues. And when I went on TV, I suddenly started thinking, well, I'm on TV now, so I better become the fitness guy. I better become that avatar. And I would go on and I would think, I better talk about sit-ups and broccoli because that's what fitness people do. And I better dress in a certain way. And it was very fear-based. It was like, I better not show up as myself. I better show up as the fitness avatar. So I'd grown a business based on something very different to what your commercial gym setup is. But when given the opportunity to share who I was and what I was doing, I kind of shied away because I thought they'll think I'm crazy for talking about mindset and these things. So eventually I got through that, but you know, it's love or fear, which you're gonna, which you're gonna choose in each moment. I think. So okay, so you know, people obviously watch a bunch of YouTube videos, they read a bunch of books, and those changes are happening. Um, and you've been in this space for a while, yet you know you still have your human side where you get nervous before like talking. Um, walk us through like your process for, um, you know, where you got to where you are now in terms of you know, like the moment you step on, before you step on stage, what's going through on your head and like what's your process to sort of help you uh, self-regulate your physiology and then um, how you were able to like do that in the other spaces in your life with, you know, uh, making sure that you are, you know, doing your fitness, you're showing up to uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I want to get into the MMA side of it as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but that's pretty much to me where like people get lost is they, they kind of freeze at mm. some point. So how do you like unfreeze yourself? How do you get out of fear before you do any kind of, of these situations that scare you? So the biggest thing was a, a lot of things going on, but I mean, one is like fear we think we're scared of things, but really it's worry as opposed to fear. Like fear is when someone comes into this room or a tiger comes into this room, your body's got an actual response that's going to save you or it's going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Your fight or flight comes in. That's kind of fear based. That's your body gets a proper sensation that's there to help you. So, if, you know, it's a good thing. Worry is we come up with stories in our heads about what's going to happen next and we get the same responses. So I, a couple of weeks ago, I did a seminar in Dublin and an hour into the seminar, I went to the bathroom and I'm washing my hands and I look in the bin 
and I see a copy of the workbook for the seminar. And I'm thinking, geez, someone's left after an hour. They've thrown my book in the bin. It like shot me in the gut, you know. And I got those same feelings, you know, the fight or flight, the stress, the adrenaline, all this kind of stuff. And I kind of let it go. I said, I've got seven hours more to present. I better just get on with it and, you know, get back into flow. And at the end of the day, I, I talked to my buddy and I said, hey, someone threw my book in the bin an hour in. And he laughed and he said, no, somebody spilled a cup of coffee at registration and I threw the book in the bin. So it's just an example of how we build stories and, and worry gives us the same response as fear. So generally, people think they're scared of public speaking. In reality, there's very few stages in the world you're going to get on and actually be at physical harm because you say the wrong thing. But we build stories in our heads about what's going to happen next. And like I say, in the corporate world, I'll be building stories about he's got his arms crossed, so maybe he's not enjoying it or forgetting that the hundred people in front of you have all got their own life with a million different things going on and you're the least of their worries. But the big things that helped me with public speaking one was I, was, I was petrified. I was so scared of public speaking a couple of years ago. And I got offered an opportunity to do one. And I said, hey, I'll, I'll give it a go. And it was a train wreck. And then I said, I'm going to do 100 in a year. I'm going to get comfortable. And so I did 88 free talks over the course of a year. Got a little bit more comfortable each time. I used to use a PowerPoint slideshow because that was my fallback. It was like, if I put some funny slides and pretty slides, that's my defense mechanism. And one day the slideshow didn't work and I had to speak from the heart. And it was so much more fulfilling because people came up after and said, wow, I really resonated with that. Whereas people before that had come up and say, hey, that was cool, I enjoyed that. I, it didn't feel real because it was like, it was a slideshow and it was some stories that were told so that people would like me. Whereas when it was speaking from the heart, it was just let it come through. Um, but people have told me, you know, if you're, if you're afraid when it comes to public speaking, it's because you're thinking of yourself and your ego. You're like, how am I going to look? If you show up with the mentality of I'm going to share something with the people in front of me, the people that are supposed to get something will get something. The people that aren't in that place at that moment won't get something. And that's perfect. The reason we get scared is we're too outcome focused. It's like, this is how it has to look. And it's yeah. like the blinkers are Goal on. setting. Goal setting, yeah. So like you said earlier, if, you know, if, if we live intentionally with certain you know, values that we bring to the table every day, your goals go from being, I'm going to achieve this, this, and this, to you'll probably achieve those things and a lot of other things across the board. But goal setting as a traditional sense that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z this year is kind of like your blinkers around looking forward and you miss out on a lot of what's going on around you. Yeah, it's mechanized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've been thinking about this recently, particularly with speaking, is that because sometimes I'll get a big talking engagement where there's, I don't know, a thousand people or whatever, and I'll, I'll start building it up in my head and I'll say, this has got to be a really good one. And I, I put myself under pressure and I start to get worried. And then I remind myself, this is just another talk. The same way when I used to teach fitness classes, no fitness class was any more important than the other. You just show up and you do a good job every time because sometimes the big occasions come up and we put pressure on ourselves. And then as soon as it's over, you say, that was just another talk. It's just another day. And so it's like, how do you fall in love with the process? And how do you share with the people in front of you rather than try, like most people try to take the approval of their audience. I don't care about the approval of my audience because that's not under my control. All I care about is do I offer something genuine that feels right in the, in the moment. And um, sometimes it lands perfectly in my mind. Other times it doesn't, but it's just, it is the way it's supposed to be, I think. So you're taking more of the uh, Forrest Gump approach now? I've never seen that movie. I've what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've seen so few movies in my life. I think it was a bit ADD as a kid, so I've, I don't really watch too many films. Okay. Um, but yeah. 
So I've been yeah, yeah, yeah. People I mean, have called he, me Forrest Gump all my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny because you know he has a sort of IQ challenge, um, at least according to what's uh, standardized or uh, put in a box. But he's like just accomplishing the most amazing things that everybody dreams of and he's gonna watch this yeah yeah it's hilarious because he just has no clue about like fear or okay okay he just, yeah, yeah. he's just being himself yeah and yeah he's he's like running across america five times he's saving people in war nice. he meets the presidents like three times like you know and he he just if they ask him why do you do what he does and he just says like i just like running or something or you know something real simple right this uh, i also found with fear like there's times i don't know if you've experienced this there's times where you think you've worked through something you've worked through social anxiety or whatever it is you're experiencing and you're like wow you know like um, I've, I've shown uh, like I, I spoke i sported gary vaynerchuk a couple of years ago in a huge room and I stepped up a couple of years and everyone said it to me, wow, that was like a new person on stage. So I was like, wow, I've worked through this. And then maybe a week later, I was doing a talk for 10 people and I felt insecure and socially. So sometimes you think you've worked through something and then it just surfaces again and there's layers and layers and layers. And I think that's, that's always the case. But one of the big things I've been focused on recently has been acknowledging fear and not fighting it. So sometimes we get worry we get these stories in our minds and we can try to suppress it. Like my buddy was, he called me the other day. He said, I'm going to this concert and I'm feeling really anxious for some reason. I don't feel good. And I said, don't try to fight it. Just accept that you're feeling anxious. You know, you're not your feelings as such. You're not your thoughts. And, you know, you break your arm. You don't go around saying, I, I, I am a broken arm. You have a broken arm in the same way that if you're feeling stressed, it's not that you are stressed. You're just experiencing some stress. And so I think, accepting acceptance can be you know powerful in terms of because you're gonna have you know people struggle with meditation because when you sit and meditate some feelings come up that aren't comfortable all the time some thoughts come up that seem way off you know and, right and just accept it and, and yeah so there's like a process of like feeling whatever is coming up and not shying away from it just honoring you know uh, without judgment and non be it kind of non-attached to this because you're you are a human life happens like people you love are gonna hurt your feelings yeah. in a such or uh ultimately like someone that you care about uh may pass away so like these are all natural emotions that arise and if we could get to that place where we just like feel it without like judging it then um in my opinion, that's been like one of the greatest things I've learned is sort of um, just accepting like whatever arises, as you said, mm -hmm. and then um, almost like like an alchemical process, like convert it into like what whatever the next step is, or you'll find like the the right words just kind of come out, you know. Where so it's like your your feelings are feedback, right? Yeah. So yeah, I talk about signing up to the training plan and nutrition plan at times if i felt a little bit anxious before a talk rather than freaking out as i start my talk i would nearly say guys i'm feeling a bit anxious here just announce it to the audience just let down your guard because yeah. everyone's felt it at some point it's like you know when you you meet someone that you admire and you're afraid to say something because you're like what's the right thing to say and you're trying to control the situation rather than saying 
I don't know what to say to you. You know, you, I've watched you on TV for years and now I'm meeting you and I'm freaked out and they'll probably get a laugh out of that. And, and it, it eases the tension. But, you know, I recognize I feel a bit anxious and then a question and, okay, this is coming up for a reason. Why is this coming up? Okay, maybe if I, if I was more in control of the rest of my day by exercising, meditating, eating well, I'd feel more confident stepping onto a stage. Maybe that's what I can take from this. Rather than saying, oh, shit, I'm feeling anxious and I'm going to let this ruin my talk. Acknowledge it. Take what you're going to get from it. By all means, tell the audience. I've done a couple of podcasts where people want to talk about public speaking specifically. What's your tactics and your strategies? I'm like, I don't have any tactics and strategies. I get up and I tell some stories and I I just try to accept myself. It's like a process nearly of... of we all have the biggest, the biggest fear we all have is judgment because people talk about, I'm, I'm afraid of failure. It's like, you're not afraid of failure. You fail all the time in the privacy of your own home. You're just afraid of people seeing you fail. That's what people are afraid of. So it's judgment all the time. What will people think if they see me fail? What will people think if I stand on a stage and I say the wrong thing? And so if you can lean into that fear of judgment thing all the time and recognize most people don't care about you because they're too busy thinking about themselves, it just gives you a chance to be free, I think. Yeah, I guess it's, uh, you know, understand. That's why I love the science aspect of, like, understanding the brain and, like, why we have these, like, cognitive biases, like, you know, the negativity uh, confirma- confirmation bias. So it's like yeah. we're literally looking for the negative thing that's going to happen. And so, like, you know, we got uh, Judith here in the room at our studio audience. And uh, one of the things that, like, shifted for her was she was talking about, like, uh, you know, some things that, like, for example, people want to uh, accomplish something and they always think, like, well, what's the worst can, can happen? And it's like, why would you even think about yeah, the worst yeah. thing versus, like, shifting it? And saying, what's the best thing can happen if I actually step forward towards that? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a big, big change when you look at it that way. And this is why people struggle with, again, we can call it fear or worry or overactive imagination. Because effectively fear is just your imagination being used unconstructively. Um, is most people, if you took a room of a thousand people and you said, who's afraid of public speaking again it's it's a common fear because of the fear of judgment and everybody in the room puts up their hand and says i'm afraid of public speaking if you were to ask who's going to overcome that fear or who'd like to overcome the fear again every hand will go up the only people that will overcome the fear are the people that see something worthwhile on the far side so that you've got to have something that you're again what's the best that can happen so the people that will overcome the fear are the people that can attach overcome the fear to maybe a better lifestyle, helping more people, spreading a message. A lot of people have fears and they'd like to overcome them, but they never think about what's on the far side. They only think about why they're scared and how it's going to, how it could negatively affect them. So when I stepped on the stage for the first time, I was terrified. But on the flip side, I said, well, this could help me grow a profile. This could help me grow a business. This could ensure I'm never broke again at Christmas, which was my experience a couple of years ago, not being able to buy presents from my family and stuff. And so all of that pushed me. So it's like, what's the pleasure you can get out of this or how can you avoid the pain? You know, we always talk about. Yeah, I guess everybody has like different motivations. So if a single mom has, you know, kids to feed, you know, that will change everything, you know, because she won't be thinking about like her own thing, her own uh self-interest is you know usually as far as i've seen it there's always something outside of themselves that they could help more people 
you know yeah. um you will get up in the morning if you have an appointment to meet somebody versus if you don't have anything and you just you know you just sit at home and hang yeah. out i've been talking a little bit about this recently in the sense so there's kind of four energy types if you look at them um, there's a great book called the power of full engagement so they say there's physical energy or quantity of energy there's emotional energy which is like our, our stress management i guess um, mental energy which is our focus and our ability to focus and then the fourth is spiritual energy so that's the meaning or purpose we have from something so in essence like your physical could be a bit shot you know you have not been eating well you don't feel so good you could be a little low on physical energy your emotional energy could be low you're stressed your mental energy could be low you're lacking focus but if you've got spiritual energy there it's like plugging your phone into the socket. It just it just helps you keep going. So your spiritual energy is what is the meaning and purpose that you get from what you do. And like happiness in life comes from meaning and purpose. That They've done the research and people mistake happiness and think it's about pleasure. Eating chocolate is pleasurable, but it's not going to bring me long-term happiness. But running a marathon could be pretty miserable for 20 miles of the 26, but I'm working towards something. And so that's what true happiness is, is like... How am I growing? So the, people need to connect to the spiritual energy, I think. Yay. Why do I do what I do? And it could be as simple as like, if you've got a family and you don't like your job right now, get some pictures of your family and put them in your work environment. And every time you look up from the computer, it's going to remind you, this is why I do what I do. Or have a picture of what your dream is and have that in the office and attach attach meaning to, to, the, to the work that you do because work's a huge thing you know so essentially you're creating more triggers in your environment to access flow yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's an important thing you know um people that lose faith with work i work with people across the board but one of the common things where people feel the most stuck health you can change because you can join the gym relationships you can change um Lots of things you can change, but people oftentimes as adults feel stuck with work because it's, they think they have to jump from A to Z. I'm here. I don't like it. I have to, but I've got a mortgage to pay and I've got this and I've got that and the other. It's like buy a few books and start working on a topic that's of interest to you. And that's going to bring more purpose to your current work because you're going to be, you know, energizing yourself by informing yourself. So you don't have to make the massive leap that we think we do sometimes. You can, you know, you can burn the ships. Or you can take small steps every day. Like we're coming into 2019. I always tell people three steps a day in a positive direction. No matter how small the steps, that's a thousand steps in 2019. You're going to be a different person. Just don't miss a day. You know, um, it doesn't matter how small the steps are. You can change any aspect of your life over a couple of months if you take three small action steps a day. Um, so now you're uh, speaking do you have a i mean do you still prepare you know because a lot of people you just wing it now and you just go <laughs> with your heart and, <laughs> yeah. uh it, I, you know i think it's a combination uh, i've got certain topics that you know i do my own workshops and the, the four key topics at the moment i tend to just talk about whatever i'm interested in at the time um because it's the most congruent to me i talk about clarity how do we get clear on what we want i talk about confidence how do we make a strategic effort to have confidence every day as opposed to hoping it shows up um i talk about stress management because stress is just huge you know and i talk about energy management so we can't manipulate time but we can manipulate our energy well flow maybe we can manipulate time a little bit and bend time but yeah uh, flow reality yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so those kind of talk about those things when i come into the corporates i talk about resilience you know they've got certain topics i'm supposed to stick to but i generally uh sell them what they want and give them what they need <laughs> that's what i try to do so yeah yeah, yeah.
That's cool. So what are like the current things that you struggle with now that you want to change for yourself? And what are my current struggles? Business has been an interesting one the last couple of years because um, I failed with my first two businesses. You know, in retrospect, I learned from my first two businesses, but I felt like I failed at the time. I moved home Christmas Eve 2011, borrowed money from my dad to get the bus fare home because I didn't have any money. My mum's birthday is Christmas Day. I couldn't buy her a gift. Um, I spent six months in depression, working in a pizza shop in town, crying every day for hours, lost, you know, dark night of the soul for six months. And so I became very motivated by making money and making a name for myself. I wanted to be somebody because I, I didn't think I, I didn't think I was worth anything, you know, I was at my lowest point at that time. And so a lot of my drive in the first couple of years of the existing business was ego. It was like not ego in what people perceive ego to be sometimes they think it's about being brash and confident but I wanted to be significant I wanted people to tell me I was good enough I felt like if enough people tell me I'm good enough eventually I'll believe it and of course it doesn't work that no. way <laughs> <laughs> and it nearly messes you up more because when things go wrong externally and you feel bad you're like well it makes sense I don't have any money of course I'm going to feel bad when you make some money or you do the things you wanted to do and you still feel bad you think there's something really wrong with you. So I think for me, a struggle is I spent four or five years working my ass off to make money and I got my house and I got comfortable and I, I and then I recognized the money didn't make me happy. So I almost had a belief around money that eh, I don't care about money anymore. So maybe in business, I don't push myself as much as I could push myself. So I probably need to attach more meaning to my work in terms of the impact it can have on people and that'll bring in more money. But I'm kind of, I just like my lifestyle now. So I don't even know. A couple of years ago, I used to go to business seminars out in the States. And the guys would be shouting about, you know, do this and do that and do the other. And I'd implement everything. But then I recognize, I don't know if that really supports the lifestyle I want. So I'm not even sure if it's a struggle or if it's uh, where I'm supposed to be. But I don't push myself particularly hard in business. I just do my talks. I do my jujitsu. I climb a few mountains. I like my lifestyle but I could probably be pushing harder or more strategically maybe. Okay. So, uh, pushing harder, like, so you, you develop a lifestyle that you want to live and doesn't maybe necessarily take like a lot of money to live that lifestyle. Um, but at the same time you want to have like some sort of nest egg built over time or like you're, yeah, I think I'd like to start a family in, in a couple of years and, and, and the way I live now, uh, you know, I could be saving some money now and stuff like that. Uh, if I was, I think the all the work has done in terms of uh, I've, I've got the inform, I've got the the courses, I've got everything I need to to be making more money and stuff like that. Except the motivation, but maybe like the training thing that's going to come to me someday, and I'll be like, okay, let's start pushing hard again. I tend to go in cycles. Sometimes I'll push hard, other times I'll kick back, and uh, it works quite well for me. But again, for a sustainable just to not have pressure on myself in the future. I don't really want to live this lifestyle for f another five years and then all of a sudden have to give it up. I'd like to be able to maintain a, a nice lifestyle whilst, you know, building a, a legacy, or what's the word? I don't know, building a <laughs> comfort blanket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of people like struggle with like 
that aspect of, of effort and like, you know, pushing hard, trying to like prepare for the future. So they're always thinking like they get stressed out thinking about a goal to accomplish. And I found that like when you are, you know, in that playful attitude and like, you know, you're in flow, like things start to like synchronistically mm-hmm. happen and things that you can't even script it just surprises you and uh when it just feels like there's some sort of alignment and without getting like really esoteric because we could definitely go there um you know i think we just maybe struggle with like how existing paradigms in society are you know and then you get like people that maybe you start doubting like because you're not living like those people and they do have houses they do have all these things but we see like how empty they feel and on the other hand we're like really rich inside but like materialistically materialistically like i don't have you know those kind of things but i'm like really feeling like fulfilled and rich inside and then just having like this trust yeah yeah I think a couple of years ago, I thought money is the answer. And then when I found out it wasn't, I probably went the opposite way. And I was like, money doesn't matter. But it's easy to say money doesn't matter when you things are going okay still, of course. And I get to travel and, you know, I do a couple of new countries a year and I go for two months to climb mountains every year. And I've got a great lifestyle. If I couldn't live that lifestyle anymore and I was back working the pizza shop, I'd probably pretty quickly think money matters again. So it's just finding the balance there, I think, you know, not being too extreme either either side. Yeah, definitely. Like, and it's funny too, because uh, this thing about work, like uh, I found that eventually um, if I had to, I would just work as a janitor, you know, just I mean, cleaning shit and toilets or whatever. And it just, yeah. there's this sense of uh, fulfillment that if you keep, you know, your lifestyle, uh choices add like a minimalist type of thing where you don't really need much other than a roof over your head and food to eat extra money to do some like activities and you pretty much can do a lot of things for free like going out in nature you know interacting with other human beings so that it's pretty much making a choice to like remove all the the excess uh things that really don't matter yeah you know i just found i think if you do the things day to day that you enjoy in life as simple as that sounds everything else looks after itself you don't need very much because people ask me again people ask me about goals and stuff now it's funny because when you're in a seminar and you're the goal setting guy or they think you're the goal setting guy and they ask you about your goals they're expecting big answers and i'll say i just want to keep doing a bit of jiu-jitsu climb a few mountains hang out with good people eat some good food that's kind of me set and you just got these blank faces looking at you sometimes thinking that's it but if you enjoy your day to day you don't need to fill your space with stuff that's there to fill the void um yeah i think if you get purpose from from every day when you mention um if you you go back and be a janitor or do whatever you had to do it wouldn't be a big deal i I was thinking about this because, you know, Christmas approaching and I'm not sure will this be released after Christmas or in a, it's this week probably. So it's a, it's a good time for a lot of people, but it's a hard time for a lot of people too, because, you know, again, I go back to six years ago, I was completely lost. I looked around me, everyone else was having a great time. Everyone was connecting with friends, going out, having beers, you know, whatever it was. And it just amplified my feelings of uh, insignificance of, of not being enough of being a failure all this kind of stuff but in retrospect when i look back the only 
problem, and this is what most stress is, the only problem at that point was I wasn't where I thought I was supposed to be. So if you've got a disconnect between your picture and your head of how things are supposed to be and how it shows up, that's where stress comes from. Because if you just accept where you are, where's, there's no stress there. And there's a guy called Sidney Banks. I don't know if you heard of Sidney Banks. He was a Scottish welder. And he was out walking with his psychologist or psychiatrist or something. And he said to his psychologist, I'm depressed. And his psychologist looked at him and he said, you're not depressed, you just think you are. And he just heard it on such a deep level that he had this enlightening moment and became an enlightened being, I guess. And he just, he talks about this, Byron Katie talks about this. Lots of people talk about, you know, beyond thought, everything's fine. It's the thoughts, it's, that's again coming back to worry and fear. It's all related to how we frame things. And for me at that time, I was 24. I'd gone to Dublin wanting to be a success story. I had built a picture in my head of what success looked like. I had built a story about how much money you're supposed to have at 24, how many people are supposed to know you at 24, how comfortable you're supposed to be at 24. And none of those things had happened. And so I was beating myself up about that. Now, people externally were saying, Pat, you're 24. Lots of people are broke at 24. Lots of people move back in with their parents at 24. But I couldn't accept that because, again, all I could think about was the picture in my head about how it was supposed to be how it should be should is an expectation right and um so anyone struggling as they listen to this because i think it's important maybe to put across in the you know the the holidays and stuff because people will be struggling one no one around you's got to figure it out everyone's figuring it out and, and you're comparing your highlight or their highlight reel to your internal world their external to your internal they've got turmoil too they've got struggle too but you don't see that and the other thing is if you're stressed, if you're worried, if you're anxious, if you're overwhelmed, if you're lonely, if you're depressed, if you're isolated, if you're any of these things, most likely it's because there's a disconnect between where you think you should be and where you are. And if you can accept where you are, you can move forward. So put me back at the pizza shop where I was six years ago, I'd be the best waiter you ever met because I'd take purpose from what I did. But back then, I would show up every day with a frown, wiping back tears, saying, I don't want to be here, I shouldn't be here. So if you, I think acceptance is big, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, you, you see, like you said, a lot of people like struggling out there and they're like trying to figure out stuff and, you know, there's no like manual in life, you know, to. Yeah, it's funny too. You probably experience it. Sometimes people will say like, congrats on, on your success or on what you're doing or something like that. And to me, it sounds very finite. It's like they think that you've figured it out and that you've somehow ticked the box that everything's going to be fine. And I'm like, no, every day is a struggle in a good way. But you accept the struggle. You're like, oh, I'm just going to like push myself a little bit today. I'm not going to be comfortable all the time, but that's okay. And it's like, I think two mentalities, the mentality of someone who's going to make it someday or feels a bit lost. They think there's something that's going to happen that in a moment life's going to be good and life's going to be perfect. Whereas people that are working toward things, I think they recognize that you're supposed to be a little bit uncomfortable every day. You're supposed to question yourself. You're supposed to... All that's part of it, I think. But sometimes you get that mentality of, good job, you did it. Nah. Yeah, <laughs> Every day's a new day. You actually posted something on social media about like planting seeds, right? And how like the how long it takes for something to develop and grow. Yeah. And, you know, people's problem is their like lack of patience. So, you know, it's like 
just working at it every day, being consistent. And because as we've seen in, in the worlds that we operate, it's just like fame is not the answer. Like becoming rich is not necessarily the answer either. It makes maybe makes things a little bit easier in terms of survival, but in terms of like fulfillment, meaning and purpose, you know, you got these people that who we all project out there who's like rich and famous and they actually have like more problems even though they have more money you know yeah an interesting one on that i think is that you know someone who's broke will look at someone who's rich and say it's okay for that person because they've got all the money the person with the riches will look at the broke person and say look at the freedom they've got they're not attached to money. They don't have to make the kind of money because you, your your baseline of what you think is acceptable for yourself rises. So the millionaire could be making a hundred grand a week and feeling insecure, whereas the person who's just starting out could be making their first three hundred euro a week and they feel like they've made it. So it's a lot of it's perception again, and. I, this was something I learned a couple of years ago: was when you achieve a certain level of success with anything, you can stop acting the way you did that got you there. So what I mean by that is um, when I started my fitness company, I was creative because I didn't have any money. I was resourceful because I didn't have any money. Um, I was uh, studious. I was studying the best guys in the industry. I was doing a lot of things and we built a good successful baseline of a business. And then suddenly I achieved a certain level of success and I wanted to sustain that. So I stopped being creative. I stopped being innovative. I stopped being um studious and i just tried to grasp onto what i had kind of thing play it safe because that was the formula that like was working and it was generating yeah it's kind of like what got you there won't what got you here won't get you there you've got to evolve and i went to tony robbins a couple of years ago at a time where um i was a little bit stuck and within a couple of minutes being in the room he said the right thing you know just landed with me he kind of said once you achieve a certain level of success you become afraid of leaving or of losing what you've got. And that fear of losing is the very thing that stops you from achieving something new. So you got, again, it's kind of the idea of every day is a brand new day. And again, the person who's a millionaire and maybe has 10 houses is so scared of losing the 10 houses that it takes any joy out of anything else rather than thinking, what's the compelling future? Just trying to grasp on. It's that idea you can't grab something new unless you let go of what you're currently holding. You know, your fist can't be clenched and open at the same time. I don't know how I came onto that, but <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like the thing is, like you know, someone has ten houses, but they're working like you know, eighty-hour weeks. They're trying to manage like a huge team of people. Like you ran a gym for a while, and you're like, "Holy shit, man! There's like way more stuff that I want to do here because I actually want to be outside. I want to go." climb to mountains i want to have a lifestyle where i'm not like a slave to my own business so you know maybe that's doing stuff like online so you have the flexibility to travel and uh you know i'm sure that was your process because what you thought you wanted and you got it you're just like this is making me like worse off as a person in terms of feeling like you know like a slave to something i think it's having courage isn't it to always question where you're at because i will say like if if Take an 18-year-old that goes to college and their dream is to do journalism as a subject and they go for two years and they, they recognize two years into their journalism degree, this is not what I thought it was. That person can step away and do something different 
Or they can say, shit, I've invested two years in this, I better keep going. And so they finish their journalism degree, they get a job as a journalist, they're five years a journalist, and they're saying, shit, I did four years in college and five years working at this, I'm nine years in this, I can't walk away from this. And they could spend the rest of their life with that mentality. So it's gotta be reassessed. And like when I had the gym, I said, my, my dream since I was 13 was to own a gym. And now I'm 27 and I've got a successful gym. I can't walk away from this, can I? And then it was like, well, I'm not happy, so why would I stay here? So it's having the courage to always reinvent yourself, I guess, isn't it? People are terrified of reinventing themselves because the identity is so strong. This is who I am. This is how I fit into the world. If I challenge that or question that in any way, again, fear of judgment. What will people say? You know, what would I be without my... A lot of people are attached to their work, to their social media accounts, to their partner maybe you know their whole identity is wrapped up in the fact they're married and they've lost themselves that was a lot of my clientele when i had the gym was a lot of people that had lost themselves when they had kids they, they forgot who they were and so the gym gave them somewhere to invest in themselves i think you have to be constantly you know 2019 maybe press pause and say what's not serving me anymore you know what's the labels that i don't want anymore what's the thing i would like to move toward what's the thing that I wanted that I have that I don't need anymore, maybe. Speaking of uh, like social media, you know, we're talking about how that's been designed by like recluse nerdy types, you know, and they pretty much cracked the code on uh, the dopamine reward system in the brain. And, you know, what it's supposed to be like social is actually antisocial. It was supposed to bring like connection in some ways it has in my life, you know, being able to meet you through social yeah, media, yeah. Um, a lot of my current friends. So it's like we were able to find the others, but the dark side of social media, like pretty much outweighs a lot, most of the benefits. I mean, it's a tool, so it's like how to use it. And most people don't have the the training to use it properly. They don't, mm-hmm. they're not even aware like of how it works and why it's very, uh addictive but there's like a a conditioning aspect of it that's just like amplified more than traditional media you know because they 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 put that skin over uh the top where it's like it it just looks like you're 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 posting stories there's a lot of inspiration motivational stuff there's not as much negative news but there is maybe it's fake news um, but essentially there's like a, a huge addictive quality that if we have, let's say a, a dopamine bank account in our brain and every time we look for a like, you know, or yeah. some comment, you know, yeah. we're just slowly like, like draining our, our reward center. So by the end of the day and then over a course of like days and months, you know, years, you're feeling depressing and anxiety and anxious and you don't even know why. So, um, how are you able to like manage like social media? Could you do have like a big following, mm. you know, again, it's probably something that I, I walked away from to a certain degree relative to where I was at a couple of years ago. I used to post everything. My whole life was on there and it worked, you know, I built a following because my whole life was on there and people were following a journey of sorts. So it built your business fast. So yeah, that's the yeah, benefit it in that changed, aspect. Changed yeah. my life. I mean, Facebook in the early days brought me in. They brought me out to California as a case study um, of a business that was using Facebook successfully. Um, I met Cheryl Sandberg, the COO. Um, they tell my story about starting on the beach and becoming a best-selling author within a year, all through Facebook. Um, 
I had 800 clients a month without a website. They were all through Facebook groups. So it did a huge amount for me back in the day. But again, it was another thing that I had to press pause and say, look, it's not making me happy anymore. So I still use it, but I'm, I'm more and I could definitely improve. You know, I've been talking to friends about this. And the analogy I was using this week was that I'm tracking my calories now. And it makes me aware that, you know, anytime I want food, I can walk to the fridge or I can walk to the shop or I can walk to the restaurant. We've got an abundance of food and that's a blessing and it's, it's amazing and we're lucky to have it in the Western world. But just because it's there doesn't mean you should eat it all the time because it doesn't, it supports you up to a certain level and then it makes you sick. And social media is the same and information is the same and, and um, validation is the same. You know, is it, is it use or misuse? And for me, social media definitely helps. I mean, I, I sell my talks, I, I sell my coaching, I get my name out there, I share messages, I learn from other people. All that is very positive, but there's definitely a tipping point. And um, iPhone has the new feature that will tell you how many hours a day you spend on your social apps and, and different things. And that was an eye opener for me. I think it was like averaging three and a half, four hours a day. And I told my friend this the other day and she said, well, that's your job, you know, it's your job. And I said, no, 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 no. Half an hour a day, I can get my work done, like realistically, if I'm honest with myself in terms of social. So I'm just fooling myself the other time. It's just that aimless. And I know we talked about it. You took a social media break and then you can very quickly come back to it. I climbed a mountain in Argentina last February. So I was a month on the mountain and no technology. And I loved the freedom of it. And I was journaling every day. And then within a week of being home, I promised myself I'm not going to use social much. Half an hour a day is my cap. Within a week of being home, I'm taking pictures of the stupid shit. I was taking pictures of, oh, let's take a picture of my dinner and share it on social. It's like, nah, there's no need. But it's very addictive, you know, and we're relatively conscious of these things, but we're still... Yeah, a lot of people say like, oh, you know, it's easy for you. You got a lot of time. Like, I don't have time. I have to take care of this and, you know, feed my family. And, you know, but when they we do like a tracking where it's like what where they spend most of their time and they yeah. realize that, you know, yeah, I'm on social media three, four hours a day. And that's like enough to like change your life. And, you know? and the argument that some people will have when you talk about, well, you spend four hours a day on social, they'll say, well, I do it when I'm at work. So... Um, you know, I'm not just sitting there outside of my work. It's, uh, it's, I'm in work anyway, so I'm on social. And it's like, if you're on social and you're working, your energy has been diminished in lots of different directions. If you just put the energy into the work that you're doing and that was your mental focus was in where it's supposed to be, you could probably finish work earlier or you could, you know, be more productive in some sense. I use this analogy with energy that it's like a garden hose. It can move quite well. The, all the energy moves, all the water moves through the hose powerfully. But if you put some holes in the hose, suddenly it's spitting in every direction. And, you know, it's like, a, I don't know, you go to a golf course and there's a sprinklers and it spits water. It's very light energy in a million directions versus a power hose where you just pick one area. This is my big thing for 2019 for myself is three or four areas that are key areas of focus to me. And if they're not involved with those things, try not to let my energy diminish. And that's how you move forward in a fast way toward anything, I think. That's why the best athletes in the world are the best athletes in the world, because all the energy goes toward golf or tennis or basketball or whatever it is. They're not trying to be the best at everything. They're not trying to please everybody. They've just picked what's important. Same with anything, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. So by having like that sort of laser focus, you know, you aren't like sort of leaking out 
to other areas because you obviously can't like people say they can multitask pretty much a myth right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah if yeah. you really want to be good at something is to just focus on it try not to be distracted but that's what social media like preys on is yeah. like just constant distractions and so people don't even know like why they're even here why they're even existing and then it's just like well i'm just gonna binge watch tv past time like you, you you're getting like all the the benefits of feeling good yeah but by the end of the day it's like nothing happened other than like they just took your attention away i find it hard to sleep if i have those days you know where if i don't achieve some things in the day and not achievement for the sense of achievement but if i don't make use of my day I can feel exhausted, but I'd be wired in bed because I think there's a creative bank there that's there to be spent. Like you're supposed to be doing things during the day. It's like you've seen the flow diagram with challenge and skill set, right? So one of the reasons teens and, and young people are struggling with depression and anxiety so much is possibly down to the fact that there's a lack of challenge now in the world. You don't need challenge. You know, I said five years ago, because social, I was talking to my friend about this the other day, social, even in the space of five years, has just, it's crazy how different it is. Five years ago, you'd put up some pictures when you were on your holidays and stuff, but I don't think people were putting up pictures of every meal they consumed or living with the phone in their hand or you go to a concert and everybody's, I always find that funny, everybody with the phone in their hand at a concert. I'm like, there's a professional videographer there, <laughs> you know, you don't need to... But um, they want to show people, like, look at me, I'm at my, this concert versus, like, actually enjoying the concert itself. This is my lifestyle, yeah. Yeah. I lost where I was going there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel kind of weird doing it. I mean, the reason I came back was people were inspired by my lifestyle. And, they, um, you know, they, they I guess there was some sort of... Um, they just like to see like what I was doing and kind of see it through my own eyes, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but there's this thing like, Oh, I got to like capture this moment, you know? And it's just like so annoying. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a fine line to, so we're saying skill set and challenge with teenagers, right? Yeah. And this is the same for us all. And this is where social kind of ties in really simple example. If I can do five push ups in the gym, and I go to the gym for the next year and I do four or five, my challenge is very low relative to my skill set. I'm just staying where I am. And that's a comfort zone effectively. If I go to the gym in January and I can do five push-ups, and the personal trainer makes me do 20, I'm jumping into panic zone. It's a massive challenge relative to my skill set. And I probably won't be able to train for a week. I'll be sore, I'll be in bits. If I can go to the gym and I can currently do five and the trainer makes me do six, the challenge is a little bit higher relative to my skill set. I grow, I develop confidence, I find meaning and purpose because I've done something, I sleep well because I've achieved something, yeah. and I come back a little bit stronger, and then the next day I do seven, and the next day I do eight, and over the course of 2019, I do whatever I do. And uh, it's the same with anything, it's the same with public speaking, it's the same, but the problem is, I guess, you know, for someone today, they don't need to challenge themselves because they can find the validation online. You just put up a picture of yourself on holidays a year ago and get some likes and you'll get that same chemical response. But the second, instant gratification. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, do I go for a 5K run and challenge myself or do I share a throwback Thursday picture and watch the likes flood in? And so we got to be disciplined, I think, in that, in that regard. Um, yeah. Yes, it gets it disconnects you from like your body from others 
Um, you know, that's why I like socially awkwardness is interesting, you know, because yeah, for me, I was like introverted. I'm not sure if you grew up that oh, way. Yeah. yeah oh, so yeah, it's yeah. like, but like you said, it was, it's almost like developing a muscle. If you go from like, um, being shy to being thrown on stage to in front of a thousand people, that's probably going to make you like shit your pants, you know? But, <laughs> um, but if you, you know, just speak to like your friends, for example, or you go to like a cafe and just start smiling to people and you walk down the street, they're saying hi. And then every day just kind of build that, you yeah. know, and you start like, like babies, you know, you have like, like Google sounds like, ooh, ah, you know, ooh, you know, and then they, they make the syllables Growth. like phonetically, yeah, yeah. you know, as you were saying, and it just builds to words and then builds to sentences and paragraphs to, you know, conversation. So I think that, um, once people really like maybe need to slow down, yeah. like everybody's trying to like do everything fast and multitask and, and uh, I think there's a saturation point with anything, and I've talked about this in terms of like, I guess when I was in my twenties, I bought every book you could get about personal development. I was consuming, 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 and there's a point where it just you're taking in the words, but there's nothing landing. In the same way with jujitsu, for example, you take up jujitsu; it's very technical, and you have a good learning curve. You learn a lot early on. And then you want to get as good as the guys that are training for three and four years. And so you're training as much as you can, but there's only so much you can understand at a time before it got information's got to be processed and digested the same way food does. And so, yeah, we've just got to, yeah, like you say, slow down. And rather than jumping into, I call it comfort zone is where there's no challenge. Panic zone is where there's too much challenge. And then the sweet spot in between is stretch zone. So it's like, how do I live in stretch zone today? It doesn't have to be a million action steps. It doesn't have to be anything grandiose or big. It just needs to be a little bit better than it was yesterday, a little bit beyond what it was yesterday. And again, three steps a day for a year, thousand steps, different person. You know, if you were to do one thing for your health today, could be drinking two liters of water if you, if you didn't drink two yesterday. That's stretch zone for you. Like, how do you, don't jump outside your comfort zone, just stretch your comfort zone and then you'll be unrecognizable within yeah and that's the issue with like new year's resolution so you know january 1st like people just freaking yeah i'm gonna do six yoga sessions a week and i'm gonna like do a perfect meal plan and it's like buddy you just had a, a month of drinking you know you're not gonna yeah, be feeling yeah. so good physically or psychologically you <laughs> right know. right why is my body hurt so much i can't get out of bed i'm yeah. just gonna stay in you know like zero to hero in a yeah <laughs> problem with zero to heroes is uh, I, uh, there's this kind of analogy which i thought was quite strong was that if i flick a switch it turns the light off very quick but i can flick it back and it changes very quickly again but if you turn a dial it's a different kind of thing so it's like how do you turn the dial what's the one percent shift you can make and i'm the same we're all the same you know I, I know i've known this stuff for years but i still have to catch myself i'll go to a seminar and the guy will share 10 strategies of whatever it is and he'll say, only try to do one of these at a time. I'll be like, no, I'm different. I'm going to do all 10 tomorrow. And then the following week, I'm like, shit, I haven't stayed consistent with any of them because I took on too much. And so that's been my biggest lesson. It's like the, the lessons we know the deepest. Sometimes it takes us the longest to take them on. Like with jiu-jitsu, I went back to jiu-jitsu two years ago. And I'm obsessive. So usually I'd be like, I'm going to train six days a week, you know, from day one. And I told myself, if I commit to six days a week and I don't stay consistent, I'll beat myself up about it and I'll quit and I'll fall off the wagon. So I'm going to do three sessions a week. 
and I maintain three sessions a week. And most sessions, most weeks, I get five to six sessions. But as long as I get two to three, I consider it a win. And anything more is a bonus. You know, the January thing we talk about, healthy eating, for example. If you tell yourself you're going to eat perfectly every day, all day, every day, any little blip that you have is going to feel like a failure. And most of us, we get a flat tire, we'll slash the other three. We're like, fuck it, I screwed up, I might as well. And the flip side is, if you told yourself I'm going to eat a healthy breakfast every day for January, chances are you eat the healthy breakfast, immediately you've got confidence because you've achieved something straight away. Oh, I might do a healthy lunch. Okay, I've done two out of three. Might do a healthy dinner. And if you don't, you don't. It's all good because you're lower your expectations, which is an interesting message from a positive right. guy. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, similar to like uh, you wouldn't go and like eat, let's say, you know, you want to go from A to Z. Like I can't imagine if like, for example, you're like, I'm going to I'm gonna get healthy and, and let's say do jujitsu that uh an analogy of eating food i'm just gonna eat like all this food in like one day you know yeah, yeah. i don't even know what the hell i'm saying <laughs> it's probably that saturation thing yeah again, yeah right? yeah so. it's like yeah essentially like um if you if you built it in just like if you were breathing and eating you're just normal day-to-day like physiological things mm. and it became like more of a lifestyle versus like in the past for me like if I put my mind to something, I'll accomplish it in like, let's say in 12 weeks, I'll do everything perfect, right? And I'll just, I'll hit my goal and then I'll just end up like coasting and like on the back end, sort of like yo-yo dieting, I end up like in uh, worse shape than when I became yeah. the peak shape. So it was like, it, when I was younger, it was like, oh, I can do it. I use willpower and then I would accomplish it. And then I would just like coast. It's the same was like making money. I would like make a certain amount of money, and then I would just like chill out and just coast. And then yeah. the money starts getting lower and lower, yeah, 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 and like yeah. oh shit! And it's like I got to do something. So I think as I get older, there's this more sustainable approach, hmm. like the long game. So instead of like trying to like get my first muscle up in like in ninety days or something, it's just like let me just do the smaller steps every day. Yeah feel the success feel that satisfaction keep that body healthy just get outside the comfort zone in the stretch zone yeah yeah you know, not panic zone but every so often actually like hit panic zone too because that's that's fun yeah, to see yeah, like yeah. uh where you are so like these are like great tests yeah. to see like you know do i want to build grit and grind resiliency so today I'm actually going to just really hit that red line. Yeah, yeah. But other days I'm actually just going to take just a little couple, two, three steps into stretch zone yeah. and then just be more consistent that way. So I guess there's a balance, the art of being a turtle and then being a hare, you know, yeah. or a rabbit. There's a, I think when we talk about, you know, taking on a huge amount and trying to go really fast, that will always come down to uh, comparing ourselves to other people. Because, you know, if I want to get my purple belt in jiu-jitsu in record time, record time is compared to the next guy, as opposed to thinking, can I be better today than I was yesterday? So like that mentality of anytime you feel you're not moving fast enough, ask yourself, who are you comparing yourself to? Because reality is you've not got, you've got no context as to their life, their background, their history, their internal game, their other priorities, whatever it is. Like those days, so jujitsu, the way it goes, you got your white belt and your blue belt and your purple belt. And so I'm a blue belt and 
I would go to other gyms and train and you train against another blue belt. And so you'd assume you're going to be at a similar level. And I was in Thailand a couple of months ago and this guy is just kicking my ass. This blue belt's kicking my ass and I feel a little bit dejected going home. I'm comparing myself to someone else with no context of his background or anything. And I log on to social media the next day and I see congratulations to Marlon. He's just been promoted to purple belt. And I'm like, oh, this guy that was kicking my ass last night, I don't feel as bad now. But it's kind of like he was closer to purple belt level than like yeah, beginning been training for years, level. you know, yeah. but I was just instantly thinking, shit, you know, maybe I'm not any good at this. Maybe I should, quit, you know, whatever it is. So we can a lot of the time when we get down on ourselves is because we're comparing ourselves to other people. And I think if you compare yourself to who you were yesterday, you can win for the rest of your life. Like, how can you win a game that you don't know the rules to, which is what we do when we compete with others? Um, so yeah stretch zone and compete with yourself i think you know well so you like got involved with mma at a like really yeah yeah young age um you know like what was the motivation behind that i was bullied a lot when i was a kid and i played team sports and i never really connected with team sports it never really just didn't get it you know my, my parents encouraged me to play team sports all the way up so I played everything, you know, Gaelic football, hurling, uh, basketball, everything. And I was bullied. And then I was a big professional wrestling fan as a, as a kid. And I decided I'm going to be a wrestler. So like 14 and I, met, I contacted a wrestling school. I said, my dad says I have to finish real school and then I can go to wrestling school. What can I do for the next six years to get me ready? And the guy said, start lifting weights. So I was lifting weights already at like 13, 14. And he said, do judo, because judo will teach you how to fall without hurting yourself. So I went into school the next day, and as if by faith or the law of attraction, I see a sign on the school notice board, judo classes Wednesdays at lunchtime. I'd never seen them before. So I started judo. It was the first individual sport I ever did. It gave me confidence. I won a couple of Irish titles in judo within a couple of months, just because I was strong and I was aggressive. And there wasn't many guys doing it, so I wasn't that good, but I did well. And uh, then I took up boxing, I took up Thai boxing. I just loved martial arts. And so cage fighting back in 2006, 2007, there wasn't much going on in Ireland with that stuff. And most of the Irish kids would go to America for three months every summer on a J-1 visa. So most of my friends went out and they would just drink on the beach and, and sit on the boardwalk in San Diego. But I decided, hey, I'm going to go train full time. So I contacted a gym out there, Undisputed in San Diego in North Park. North Park was like the ghetto at the time. It's, it's pretty hipster now. And uh, I went out there and I trained with guys like Dominic Cruz, uh, War Machine. Um, who else was out there? Brandon Vera was there. Um, Mike Pratt, who knew, you, you know. Um, yeah, and I spent two summers in the States. And, and to be honest, when I was out there, I met a, a good friend who... He's since passed away, but he um, he was a great kettlebell instructor and he really encouraged me to get into kettlebells and all these kind of things. And uh, yeah, that was the start of the MMA. And then when I got to my 20s, I kind of packed it in. And I, again, I became obsessed with making some money and getting a bit of status and becoming known and becoming an adult, I guess. And it's only the last two years I've gotten back into it as someone who achieved everything he wanted to achieve, didn't feel happy or confident still i said wait a second i need to be doing things every day that i enjoy and jujitsu was the thing so going back to that at 28 was a blessing yeah right right so what was it about uh mma so like take us back to like your first fight what was that like stepping in the cage 
them closing the gate. Uh, you know, what I, was it like, like, like hitting another human being? <laughs> like, why would you do that? Yeah, um, I only fought amateur in MMA. I had a, a couple of Thai boxing fights, a couple of amateur boxing fights. So I never fought pro, but um, it's kind of an outer body experience to a certain degree. I would nearly find it harder to watch it on the TV, watch the violence, as opposed to being in it. Being in it, it just feels like competition, and it's just, you're just, you know, you respect the person you're fighting more than anyone else because they're allowing you to do what you want to do, and you're allowing them. You can't do it without the other person, you know. It's it's something you enjoy. Um, what was it like? Um, to be honest, you know, again, going back to being an egotistical teenager, being a young man that wanted to prove himself, there was certainly... I think I probably liked the idea of it more than I liked it itself. You know, I liked the idea of being tough and that being my identity and being able to handle myself. And um, now as I'm a bit older, the grappling stuff ticks all the boxes for me. I don't want to get punched in the face anymore. I did that when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, just, I just connected with it. I just enjoyed it. Yeah, it, just, it was present. The flow, yeah, flow, flow. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's maybe like a primal aspect that's feeling fulfilled that uh, modern society doesn't give us, especially as men. Yeah, you know, yeah. Filled with uh, young, dumb, and full of cum, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 so yeah. like we uh, find uh, a chance to like express yourself in that like primal sense, and here's a place where you can do it, where it's sanctioned, regulated. Um, you know, refereed, and uh, but there's something like that comes out of it that's spiritual. It's really ironic, right? Like, why would like fighting bring out that that better side of us? Because we're using like another human being to bring out the best in each other, and we're mm -hmm. like agreeing to these rules. And uh, I think, I mean, your presence—it's it, very you get present very quickly because you can't think about the future or the past when someone's trying to punch you you've got to be very present but also there's the ego you're gonna let letting go of the ego because to get good at a martial art you've got to show up every day for six to twelve months and get your ass kicked every day and leave every day feeling like a beginner in like two and um, two years now two and a half years training same thing you know i trained yesterday I leave feeling like I've never trained in my life some days. Some days you're the hammer, some days you're the nail. And that teaches you teaches you humility and it teaches you... Um, it's John Kavanagh, Connor's coach, has that phrase, you win or you learn. And that's something great we can bring into life is that, look, if I screw up a presentation, I can let that be the thing that stops me from ever doing a presentation again. Or it can be the catalyst to me learning a huge amount about how to do a presentation going forward. And effectively, the people that succeed in life at anything are the ones that are willing to take the knocks and say, okay, what can I take from that? And how can I bring that forward? Um, we should be looking to fail more. We should be looking to make more mistakes. We should be looking to feel a little bit more uncomfortable all the time. Because Get that's a little the only more way. messy. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, coming back to the idea of the books on the bookshelf, you can read every book under the sun, but until you go out and you start making mistakes, you can't really learn. You know, you did the the... The magic box on me last night you've spent 14 years treating people i'm sure you've learned most of your stuff in the trenches and you've probably made mistakes and you've probably felt imposter syndrome working with some of the celebrity clientele and you've had to experience and feel all those things in order to add it to your your arsenal i guess yeah absolutely i mean just uh you know 
kind of back to like uh, mixed martial arts or some form of like competition is to like test yourself it's the reality check yeah you know? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's the truth it's the truth the truth yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then at some point you just have you 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 i guess with you know like mma or like we were talking about alex honnold last night as yeah, well yeah, the yeah. Uh, free free climber, solo, yeah. free solo yeah. climber where he's like climbing these uh tall like walk, rock faces without any rope no safety yeah just his hands yeah it's unbelievable and his feet and um you know when we get into these like extreme kind of uh situations it turns off that monkey mind so like we're literally free from our demons mm. right and so it's so addicting to get in the flow and that's like one of the dark sides of flow is that you start to put yourself your physical body at risk uh, almost too many times and it's like can i can i feel the same high from just the day-to-day mundane mundane living mm. and that's that's the hardest thing for a lot of the extreme athletes a lot of them lose their lives yeah. because they've you know it just takes one mistake and that's it's over right and so um to be able to you know i guess most people don't have that problem they they, they want to feel more alive yeah um whereas like extreme athletes and martial artists are I mean have to like tone it down a bit sure, you know because yeah. that's like their only outlet and i mean there's a lot of psychological reasons why we do what we do but you know what was your um sense of that at that time when you were a young man you know why like why did you eventually like pack it in um, I think I was probably doing it for the wrong reasons at that time because I think because I was because I lacked confidence and I did well at this I enjoyed the grappling side but I got into the mixed martial arts because it was a novelty back then it was these Pat's a cage fighter you know there was, you'd be the only person in school that was doing that and so it gave me a sense of identity and I fed into that and was sorry, I'm going to be the tough guy. You know, if there's going to be fights, I'm going to be fighting. You know, the different schools, would there be fights with each other? We'd go down at lunchtime and we'd fight the guys from the other school and I'd always be there, you know, and it gave me a weird sense of, not a weird sense, it's a normal sense, I guess, as again, as a young man, that's one of the, the bravado of it all. So I think I stopped because I didn't really love it at the time. I didn't love the, the striking side of it. Um, and so I wasn't, as committed as a as as the other guys that did there was guys there that used to drive across san diego for an hour each way to train and they do it twice a day so they were commuting four hours a day to train twice a day i was physically living in the gym and me training twice a day was like mm, okay i'll do it you know so yeah. there's a different mentality you don't want to be fighting guys that it's their life and it's what they love um yeah, so it just wasn't a priority. I think also the fitness, you know, I saw the fitness stuff emerging in the States that hadn't taken off in, in Ireland yet. So it was the TRX was happening, the kettlebells were happening. Um, you know, my buddy was an RKC instructor at the time in the kettlebells. That opened my eyes to possibilities. And there was more of a commercial element there that I saw potential for a business when I came home. I could train people. Um, yeah, I remember you said that you, you quit because you actually sucked. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I wasn't very good. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Patty that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh no, I was never very good at it. Um, I I got pretty decent at the jiu-jitsu back then, but I, no, I wasn't. I wasn't that good because again, I liked the idea. 
I would rather shadow box now than actually get in the ring and fight someone, uh, even at that time. I think it was almost testing myself at times then, you know, like I think my parents and people around me were saying, I don't know how you do it. And I was probably thinking the same thing in my head at times. I don't know how I do it. I don't, I don't know if this is what I actually want to be doing. But it was almost like a rite of passage for me. It was like a challenge to myself to stand in front of another man. A lot of the guys who would have been fighting were like 10 years older than me. So it made me, I, met a, I, I suppose I met a new part of myself. You do like when you fight someone, it's, it's, it's a different thing. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty intimidating, you know, so... And so, uh, you know, what was the takeaway at the, at the end of the day uh, with MMA and then moving forth in your life and then, um, you know, bring up like, what was it like to, to get choked out at your, <laughs> your last Brazilian jiu-jitsu match and then end up coming back? Uh, so that you get choked out in a gi tournament, but you come out about it and actually win gold in a no yeah, gi tournament. Yeah. It's happened twice this year. Well, not the choke up, but... So yeah, they got back into jiu-jitsu two years ago. Um, it's just been the best thing I ever did with my life. Uh, I I don't regret quitting when I was younger because you can't regret things. But um, yeah, going back two years ago has been amazing. I have to remind myself because when I was 16, I thought, it was, I, thought I was too old to start boxing because most of the guys started when they were eight, nine. And then when I was 18, I thought I was too old for judo because maybe I knew one guy that was a black belt at 17. And every time I've gotten older... I've looked back and I said, shit, I, when I was 16, I was only a kid. When I was 20, I was only a kid. When I was 24, I was only a kid. Now I'm 31, or I was 28 when I'm back to jiu-jitsu. The old me would have said, oh, I'm too old for going back to this and starting from scratch. But then it was like, again, that's competing with someone else as opposed to competing with yourself. So if, I'm, if I just get better every day, it's all good. So anyway, um, yeah, I went back two years ago, got my blue belt in a year. Um, I've been competing lots. I competed earlier in the year in Scotland, same idea. Uh, we did the gi in the morning. I lost my two fights. I was like beating myself up. I'm going to quit this. You know, I've traveled all the way to Scotland. And then I won the no gi in the afternoon. So again, it's that kind of, you can bounce back pretty quick. Last week I got choked unconscious, <laughs> which was... Uh, For the first time ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I just got caught in a choke and I I felt pretty comfortable. I was like, I'm okay. It's, it's tight, but it's not that tight. I'll put some weight on this guy and be fine. And then I just woke up uh and i felt like i'd slept for it was interesting i felt like i'd slept for six or seven hours but i was only out for three seconds so i remember dreams that i had and i had this sense of doom and gloom i was like shit i got a big to-do list and <laughs> like, was all this stuff going on in my head this is three uh, seconds Weird. of actual reality yeah, it was, time it was collapsing it was pretty crazy i went into some different zones on that and then yeah i, I I'm, I, we've got a group messenger with my gym where we all train and I messaged and I said, I lost my two fights, got choked unconscious in front of everyone. Da, 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 da. And then part of me wanted to just drive back to Galway and chill for the evening. But I was like, nah, let's do the nogi as well. And ended up winning the nogi. So it was bounce back. And as I say, you know, like you learn more about resilience doing stuff than you ever will from the books. So who am I to stand on a stage and talk about resilience or talk about any of these things unless I'm living it, you know? Yeah, and well, that's the difference with you versus other motivational speakers are so good at like pumping people up yeah. with selling their products. And then in my experience, like, you know, with the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, seeing that they don't even live with their teaching, yeah. they're uh, absolute hypocrites for the most part. 
and uh, they're just masters of selling like yeah. information, like they're drug dealers, you know. And I've sat in Ferraris with these guys and seen how insecure, you know. I've had a guy turn to me in his Ferrari and say, "Hey, what do you drive?" And I look at him and I'll say, "I drive a shitty little white van." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I love it. Right, right. Or they'll say like, "Oh, how did you get here? Like, how did you get into the elite circle?" And you know, yeah. and it's just a bunch of insecure people that again are like masters of selling information. And and uh, you know, once I saw that, I was like, "Holy crap, man! I, w- I wish everybody could take a peek at what was going on behind the scenes." You know, with whether it's uh, Hollywood or, you know, some of these like motivational type of seminars or real estate seminars, you know, it's like the people making all the money are, are selling real estate information, but they don't own a single property or, you know, they, they mask that they are like pickup artists and they, you know, teach like how to like, you know, pick up women. They end up like actually just like paying for escorts to hang around them. You know, make it look like that they're like masters of dating game. Yeah. At the risk of being judgmental and sounding judgmental, because it is judgmental, I, ju- I just don't get it. You know, I don't get the long game of, of, of um, yeah, just seeing the way some of these guys live. I don't get, you know, renting private jets to look a certain way and buying, renting, car, leasing cars or whatever they're doing. I don't get that. And even on a deeper level, I don't get the people following and aspiring to be this. You know, I'll read the comment sections of some of these videos you see online and I just see bullshit. And, you know, I don't see any truth in what's been said. I don't see any humility. I don't see any genuine. I don't see any truth, I guess. Is, is I just see trying to fill a void Yeah, for a lack of purpose or meaning or substance or or whatever it is and then i see a lot of people following that and that well i imagine like you know some young guy that's again young dumb and full of cum yeah, he's, yeah he's seeing like these uh private jets like these sports cars these hot women yeah a lot of money being flashed around big houses yeah and i uh, guess yeah i would have yeah five years ago i probably would have bought into it all as well you yeah know? but i would genuinely tell people if you can find what you enjoy doing no matter how simple, it could be jiu-jitsu, it could be horse riding, it could be writing with pen and paper, it could be going to the gym. If you can find something and do it every day for the next 30 days, just watch your life change. Don't do anything else. Like, don't make it any more complicated than that. At the end of the 30 days, you probably have taken on new habits you didn't even anticipate taking on. But that's the secret to a large degree is like do the stuff you enjoy every day. Because most people live the deferred happiness plan. I'll be happy when, fill in the blank. I'll, be, I'll allow myself to be happy when I get the house. And so you prolong your happiness until you get the house. You get the house, you feel good for a day, and then you're like, oh, shit. Right, right. What's next? And then and it's the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And it's like, there's things you currently do that make you happy. There's things you currently do that make you confident. There's things you currently do that make you feel fulfilled. It's all there. Like, people think it's outside of themselves. Happiness, confidence, fulfillment, joy, peace. You know, all these things they think... If you sit and meditate for 15 minutes and feel inner peace or do Wim Hof breathing, you'll recognize the inner peace is within you. You just you just put it outside of yourself. Um, you go and enjoy lunch with friends and laugh and, and, and recognize that happiness is in you. You go and do something that you've done a hundred times before and you'll see confidence in you. Your know, confidence is one of the biggest things people want. Confidence comes from 
um, proof, I guess. It comes from seeing the, we're all confident tying our shoelaces because we've tied our shoelaces for years. Anything you want to be confident that I'm confident speaking now. I wasn't confident speaking four years ago. And the mistake people make is I'll do that when I'm happy or when I'm confident. Confidence and happiness are the reward for doing the thing. So you got to do the thing and then you get the feeling. Yeah, yeah. You actually like mastered that craft, right? Through like years of practice and learning and and uh, improvising and uh, yeah. iterating. So um, yeah, I guess the main message I wanted to leave with for a lot of young people is that they're, you know, being shown like all these images of what success is and like the typical American dream, you know, and, um, and they're just naive and they're being preyed on by people that understand like how the dopamine reward system works and it's why social media is so addictive and it's conditioning people and, um, especially like, I guess, uh, the younger generation that may have been like overprotected by their parents. And so they're, they don't know what it's like to, to feel challenged, you know? And so, um, they, they're being preyed on by people that are showing them all this flashy shit, <laughs> you know? And so like a young guy is naive, you know, and he's has like testosterone or a woman, is maybe attracted like just attracted to a man or whatever sex people are it's just that they're literally um they they're they think that somebody else knows the answers and then they are being sold a bunch of bullshit you know and and then in the end or uh they're feeling like even like worse or uh stuck like like the same with cults like the, the same sort of energy happens where like someone's like manipulating and preying upon their naivety so the message i would leave is like trusting yourself yeah you know and i'm sure like you would say the same thing yeah and that's got to be um i trust in yourself is the idea and then you got to ask what is the practical application of that so i would be telling people pen and paper you know i'm the biggest fan of journaling in the world you get a pen and paper you don't need a set structure but 2019 take pen and paper and for 10 minutes 15 minutes 20 minutes a day just write and it could be writing about your dreams your ambitions your hopes your fears your worries your doubts your insecurities it could be anything but i like this idea of meet a new part of yourself every day if you were to listen to this and write down 2019 will have been an amazing success for me if and when dot 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 and fill in the the statement That'll give you huge clarity around what's most important to you in 2019. So hold in a vision instead of just a goal. Yeah, yeah, or anything, you know, like what are my fears and write for 20 minutes. Why are these my fears? Write for 20 minutes. What are my happiest days in recent memory and how can I bring more of that into my life? You know, every day, just, just give yourself a statement or a question and write about it. And effectively, it's like having a conversation. You know, you, you meet a new friend and you know very little about them. And every time you meet for lunch, you have a new conversation. You don't have the same conversation all the time. But for us, we talk to ourselves more than anyone else in the world. And most of our thoughts, I think 95% of our thoughts every day are the same as yesterday. And so you're not having new conversations with yourself. Um, you know, getting to know yourself, getting to trust yourself, getting to understand yourself, becoming comfortable with yourself, building self-esteem, building confidence, building happiness, becoming clear. Clarity comes from... So it's this idea again, the clear sky, there's clarity there. There's just some clouds that are covering it. One of the clouds is probably social media. So cut back on the social media, you start getting a bit clearer. There's this idea of when I give you amazing advice and I'm thinking, wow, this is good stuff. 
that's my inner wisdom coming out from within. I'm letting it out. But usually when we take on information, we're pushing down our inner wisdom. So I think pen and paper is a huge thing for people. The last thing I would say, because I touched on it earlier, I said that, you know, I got everything I, I, I ever wanted and I didn't feel happy. I had to question at that time, is this everything I ever wanted or is this what I thought I'm supposed to have? And that was a big thing. You know, I said, well, society told me you're supposed to have a house and a car and a girlfriend and friends and family. That society's what they always wanted. But what do I want? And there were some other things that I wanted and there were things that didn't matter as much to me. And I was chasing a dream that wasn't my own dream, I guess. And people should check in with that as well. You know, what is, what is most important to you? Um, if you feel empty and you feel like you've got everything you ever wanted, you probably haven't got everything you ever wanted. You've probably fed into someone else's narrative, you know? Right. So essentially to summarize, you would become aware of yourself, what makes you like smile, what makes you yeah. like be enjoy and, and feel connected. And um, like literally by journaling, you're really getting to know yourself by sitting in silence and, you know, mindfulness, meditation, whatever you want to call it. You're getting to know yourself and you get that clarity through awareness, similar to like you know, tracking your food every day, Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh shit. Like I, I actually, you know, have a lot of time. I think I didn't have time, but I have a lot of time or I didn't realize I was eating like all my calories in one meal, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. in the same with like, you know, getting to know yourself, like, oh, I didn't realize like these were the things that brought joy. I wanted to do more of that. So, um, one last question for, as we wrap up is, how can people after they had that vision they they write everything down for like 2019 um what's the first thing they can do to actually make that practical yeah so um i use this example of a gps so you guys came down from bangor to galway and maybe you stuck galway in the gps and the mistake people make is they try to do it all at once and they think they need the perfect plan. But if you if you have a vision, that's your destination in the GPS. And if you're honest about where you're starting from, you don't lie to yourself. Just open your eyes and say, this is where I'm starting from. I'm not eating well. I'm, I'm, I don't have a good relationship with my kids. Just get it all on paper. You've got your start and your end there. And the GPS doesn't spit a thousand directions at you at once. It says, OK, drive 10 meters and turn left. And once you do that, it gives you the next ones. That would be my thing. It'd be like, okay, so you want to, one of the things that paralyzes people getting on a fitness plan is they're looking for the perfect fitness plan or they're waiting to start with a personal trainer or they're waiting until they get in shape to join the gym, whatever it is. I can guarantee you, you know, one thing that's going to make you healthier right now, do that thing and the next thing will appear. So that would be the, the, the thing. Get very honest about where you are. Get very honest about where you'd like to go. And then just ask your soul or ask whatever you want to call it. What is the one step I can take to move me closer towards? And what's my first GPS direction? And that moves you. And like we talked about, live in the stretch zone. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be obsessed by the outcome. You know, be open to other outcomes. Enjoy the process. That's quite an interesting way of looking at it, right? What's the outcome I want? What would that person do on a day-to-day -day basis? What would their life look like? So if I want to be a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that guy probably trains most days, probably does a bit of flexibility training, probably eats quite well. What if I embody that from today forward? I'll probably achieve that and more. So who's the person you want to be and what do they do on a day-to-day -day basis and how can you start living a little bit more like that now? I talk a lot, don't I? <laughs> no, man, this is awesome. I mean, I just want to keep this going, but uh, we'll we'll have another episode in the near future. And uh, Pat Divoli, thank you for coming thank on. You, and thank you, thank you. And Horny Brother. And Lily, this is Lily. <laughs> <laughs> Lily. Peace, everybody. 
Woo! Incredible episode. <laughs> Incredible episode with my dear friend Pat Divoli. Just packed with wisdom and knowledge that we can actually apply and implement in our lives. Um, check out his website, patdivoli.com. That's P A T D I V I L L Y.com. Uh, check out you know all his events he uh, I believe will be traveling to the U.S. to do a speaking tour uh, sometime in the summer of 2019 if you're ever in Ireland uh, in the town of Galway reach out to him maybe you can do some Brazilian jiu-jitsu or just chill at the beach have some tea and coffee Pat is just an amazing human being with a kind heart and is one of those people that are actually you know, making the world and our planet a better place. I'd like to thank my sponsor of the show, Fat Bomb, droppingfbomb.com. They make delicious nut butters that you can take for the go, for you can use for a light meal. You actually can put it into your smoothies. There's so many ways to drop an F-bomb, drop a fat bomb into your diet Getting that fat is smart fuel. Um, go to their website, dropanfbomb.com, and use the discount code FLOWREAL, F L O W R E A L, and I'll get you 20% off of your first order. Thank you guys so much, guys, gals, people of all genders. All animals, everybody on this planet who support Hangry and Horny. Uh, so grateful for all your your viewerships, your listening ships. I don't even know if that's a word, but hey, you know, we're just being created and silly, funny, playful. Go out there, you guys. Kick some ass in the world. You know, find the others. Find people just like you by being that that shining, glowy, flowy light that you are. And uh, see you guys on the next episode of Hangry and Horny. Happy New Year. Happy 2019. Boom.